You need to do those little things every single day to just plug different gaps for yourself and your knowledge. At the start, yes, say say yes to everything. Bring on any type of client. But as you progress, you start to put more filters, more and more filters in place. Because your team's time and energy are paramount. There has to be pain. Like without pain, there's no action. But when we changed our culture, when things had to break and remold, this was the culture we brought in. I lost half of my staff overnight. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what the answer is. How do you stop this right? The number one thing I suggest to people is just can't tell you how many times that little note that I wrote at 12.39 a.m. led to like a breakthrough in my business or like that moment where I was at home and my mates were away and I did this little task on that day and that unlocked this whole fucking thing. When something good happens, I try to work out how it happens. It's always those moments, man. There's moments where other people just be chilling and you're there fucking grinding. All right, guys, in this episode, we have the founder and CEO of Australia's leading creative performance agency, Jamie, in the house. We've had him on before. It was a great episode. Now, this time we chatted all about the landscape of business, how it's changing. He reveals genuinely what's the best beginner um, business model that he believes is really going to explode in 2024. He's already making... Uh, some really, really big bucks in this space. We dive into what it's like to start a business, to build an agency and to grow throughout the levels. I won't spoil it anymore. Before I get into the podcast, I just ask for a couple of favors if I can. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, do me a favor, just like the video, subscribe. If you haven't already, hit the bell notification as well so you don't miss uh, every time we upload a podcast. And then if you're listening on an audio channel, if you can uh, just leave a review um, and let us know what you're loving about the podcast. If you're not, some feedback as well, whatever. Um, it really, all those things really helps the podcast grow and I really do appreciate it. Anyway, let's get into the pod. All right, we're back. Our second ever part two. I was just saying to Jamie, Jamie Kratharis, he's been on the pod very early days. He was number 14. This is number 90 something. Only the best guests get invited back for a part two. So those who weren't listening back then, which is a lot of you, um, you're in you're in store for a really good conversation. This guy's been in and around business for a while now, had a super interesting backstory, like a, quite a big successful DJ we won't get into that so much in this episode. If you're interested in that, go back to episode 14. We talked about that whole journey and how we ended up on business, which I kind of do want to touch on with you um, a little bit about kind of people finding their purpose and passion, whatever that may be. You and I both didn't wake up first, you know, first step out of uni and be like, it's business. We went through this whole journey. And I think a lot of people are still figuring that out. But um, for the people that don't know you, the founder and CEO of Defiant Digital, which is Australia's leading creative performance agency, they're a multi-million dollar Agency, which for people that don't understand agency, then to be a multi-million dollar agency is really, really impressive. Only a few really make it to that level in Australia. Like it's really significant what you've done now. For those who don't know or didn't listen to that first episode, give us a bit of a, you know, how would you describe Defiant? I know what you guys do and how you're kind of different, but in your own words, and then we'll catch up a little bit and go into some other topics. How would you describe kind of what Defiant is and why you guys are different? Yeah, man. Well, first of all, feel special being back here for the second time. So thanks for the invite. 100% but, uh, bro. Yeah, man, basically define what we are. We are a creative performance agency. So basically what we do is we blend performance marketing and creative together for brands. And sounds pretty simple, but it's actually a really complex thing. because yeah. those it's an two, art and a science together, right? Exactly. Those two things are completely different parts of the brain, completely different types of people who work in those two areas. So yeah, just bringing that together for brands, a lot of e-com, but also service-based uh, service businesses as well. We just take that all off their plate and handle that entire production, all the performance marketing, and just allow them to do the things that only they can do in their business to drive it forward. 
So give us give us an update for those um, that that did follow along on the last episode, um, and just for myself as well. We we chat here and there, but obviously we're both so busy. I want to I know it's my, for myself. So eighteen months ago, you're on. We we're just chatting a lot of growth, a lot of building out a team, and kind of doing some other cool fun stuff in and around the business. But tell me, where's your focus been over the last eighteen months since you're last on? Where's the where's the fight now? Like how is it different to the business that that we were talking about eighteen months ago? Yeah, man. So in terms of what we're offering, still very much the same. But what it's really been over the last sort of 18 months is that whole cliche thing of, uh, you know, don't work in your business, work on your business. That's been my number one thing. And I know a lot of entrepreneurs face that. They hear that all the time. Uh, and they're probably like, how the hell do I do that? How do I get out of the weeds? How do I step up and focus on the stuff that only I can do and those kind of things? So, uh, yeah, really, man, that's what it's been for us. And I'm really keen to get into that. and give some value on that today. So before we get into all of that, give me some highs and, and, and low, not highs and lows, some big wins or some big challenges that you've faced over the last 18 months. Now, before last time we caught up, we were much closer to all the, you know, weird world we're living in. We've kind of stepped past yeah. that and got to some form of a new reality in business, but what have been the biggest challenges you've had to face and work through over the last 18 months? And what's like a win that comes to mind that you're really proud of? hundred percent, man. So look, one of the things about making that transition and moving into like a true CEO role is just the change that actually has to occur. What got you to that point is not going to get you to the next point. So you've got to break the business down, remodel it, go again. Things are going to suck for a while, but if you don't get yourself out of that seat, you're just always going to be trapped in that working in the business sort of phase, right? So I would say biggest challenge was, was actually just going through that phase uh, switching up the team, raising the bar, lifting the standards in the team. And look, when we did that, there was a lot of people that no longer fit where we were at. It's as simple as that. Not only clients, but also team members, the whole operation had to change to go to that next level. So that was a challenge, but also just an amazing growth journey, man. Learned so much about myself, learned so much about what we need in the business. And I would say, yeah, one of the biggest wins, man, is just getting to a point now where Every single day I'm working on things that only I can do. So everything that I was able to outsource, I've truly outsourced that now. And uh, yeah, the business is now at a point where I'm focusing on other things as well. Uh, we're launching info products, which we'll get into as well because uh, sure. something that I think is a really good thing for people to hear. But um, yeah, man, it's just the growth and move, stepping more into that leadership role, which has been a massive. What was the catalyst for for that change? Was it a book you read, a podcast you listened to, a conversation with a mentor? What made you have that realization? What made me have that realization was just really clearly mapping out my goals about where I want to be and realizing how far away I was from that <laughs> in, in, in all honesty. Um, but, yeah, just just realizing, man, that there's more to it than just – churning the wheels every single day. Like you want to, you want to build your business to a point where you're removed and it doesn't need you to operate. And I know how crazy that sounds, but what I've learned about being a CEO is that basically every three months you're trying to work out how to replace yourself in a certain part. So right now you might be focused a lot on marketing and sales and okay, as soon as you've, as soon as you've got a good grip on that, you need to work out how to replace yourself with it. Then you might be focused on HR. Then you might be focused on ops. So you're just constantly working out ways to replace yourself in the business. And uh, yeah, I think the catalyst for me was just realizing that that's what I have to do. Like don't get stuck just in one place. I was very, very focused on the performance marketing side, the creative, like the, 
the ops. Like I was talking to clients. Was like you were in, very much a marketer in the weeds. I was yeah. a marketer. I was not a CEO. Uh, and the thing is your team is looking to you for that CEO role, right? You've hired them to do a job. You've hired experts in the field. Just get out of their way, man, and let them do their thing. And it's going to suck for a little bit. It's not going to be done as well as you would do it. But like I said before, if you don't make that step up into the next the next phase, you're just always going to be stuck there. So. I, I will rewind it a bit because I want to hear the context of, you know, a little bit more from the start of building and growing an agency. Um, yeah. So we will get to that point. But just from that experience you've had of, you know, every three months trying to replace yourself, mm-hmm. what role or what area of the business was that the most difficult? <sighs> Definitely the ops and the the sort of like, like just making sure that all clients were performing, mm. trusting people in that area, that was really, really hard because obviously that's the, that's the part of the business for, for me anyway that was like we take a lot of pride in that, right? We don't want to do bottom feeder results. We don't want to just be one of these churn and burn type companies. So that there is like our deliverable. That person in that seat is controlling the quality and the results for all of our clients, which is basically what we are as a business. We're not selling a product physical product, we're selling a service, we're selling an outcome. So that was really hard to let go of, but just the way I did it, man, was just have really clear guidelines on what you need from your people and be empathetic as a leader, meet with them, be super clear with what you need, measure it. You know, these kind of things uh, help you help you pass it off and move on to the next thing and start solving other problems in the business. So that process, when it begins, talk to me about, you know, because one thing is to have the realization to set the goals, but then like the actual delivering of the plan and implementing yeah. it can be harder. Where do you start? Where, what's the first meeting you have? How do you start? Because there'll be people listening and you, and you asked yeah. me a really good question before we started recording, you know, who are the main listeners? Where are they in the stage? Are they in business? Are they not? Are they, you know, there's all different entrepreneurs listening to this or, or future entrepreneurs. And some of them are at that stage where they may have a reasonably successful business, but then it comes down to like, okay, what's next? And then I think even when it's, I think this is really important, you know, conversation to be had with yourself Mm -hmm. and a plan to implement with your business, not just about, okay, where are your goals and what do you need to do in order to hit those goals? But talking about like, if you're in business and you've started your own business, you've invested money, time, blood, sweat, and tears often, right? You also want to have the satisfaction of enjoying what you do. So it's also not only about moving the business and yourself forward, but taking more enjoyment and satisfaction over the work that you do yourself. I think that's a really big thing. If you, I'm sure you didn't start a business and think I want to be, you know, doing this one role for the next 10 years, you'll, yeah. you'll lose, you'll lose the, you know, the fuel that makes, makes everything so successful within yeah. you. So how does that process begin? What's the first step to actually enacting this into someone's business? Great question, man. I love this. So basically I think the number one thing, if you're not where you want to be in your business, if you wake up every day and you're like, I don't like my business. Well, I don't like where I'm at at the moment. I'm not comfortable with it. The number one thing I suggest to people is just audit what you're tolerating. Like, what are you tolerating every day? You know, is it a shit client? Is it a shit team that don't live to the, live to the, you know, occasion? Like what you tolerate is what you are as a business, in my opinion. Okay. So first of all, understanding that, what am I tolerating? Where, where do I have to lift the bar in the company? That's, that's first step, right? That makes sort of everything clear. And then honestly, man, when it comes to making this step and moving out of your business, it really does come down to people, right? Every business, aside from info products, again, we'll get into that later. I really want to talk about that. But uh, every business, even e-com, yourself, I'm sure, I'm sure you share the same view. 
the people that you have behind the scenes set the tone for everything. So having a real good process for finding A players, setting the right expectations, bringing them on board, and then managing those expectations, that's how you actually make that. That's the first step to making that transition. What's the, I've gone through the same thing, right? But, you know, my process, I guarantee, was different to yours, and mine may be repeatable, may not be. What's your, you know, game plan or strategy for hiring A players? And I, I honestly look at the, the same way that businesses look at sales and they're like, I've got to have a sales pipeline. I've got to have, you know, my next few sales in the bank or, you know, build this pipeline of sales. Look at it the same as uh, your HR, so your recruitment, right? I like to have two or three people for each of the roles that we have on the bench at all times. So I love looking at it like a soccer team too, man. I'm a massive Man City fan. You look at Man City's bench, they have world-class players for every single position sitting on the bench at all times, just in case this guy doesn't perform. And that, what that does, that bench holds that standard of the, the players that are on the field every day to a high standard because they know if they start fucking up, they're on the bench, right? Not to that extent with business, but I like, I <laughs> so, like looking so at what things you, like So what that. do you mean by that? Because – like, do you mean there's someone doing another role that may be uh, slightly junior to that that's being prepared to take that step up if necessary? What does it actually yes. look like in a business sense? Okay, yeah. So the way it looks is that at all times, we don't like to have our team at 100% capacity first and foremost. So we, don't, we like to have every pod that we have within our team, we like to have it at around 80, 85% capacity at all times. But what that, what that looks like is that those people in those roles know that we're always hiring. I, I make this very, very clear to everyone. We are always hiring. They see the ads. They see it on LinkedIn. They know, right? As soon as someone leaves, there's a, there's a killer in the seat one week later. There is no downtime, right? And everyone on the team, they don't see that as threatening. They see that as we're here to fucking win. Like this, this company is going to win. It's only going to move forward no matter what happens. How have you dealt with that um, having – not – so I mean, having such high standards, I was going to say this ruthless culture, but having this yeah, yeah. culture of such high standards, how have you gone with hiring people? Because like the whole, you know, word on the street is that the next generation don't want to work hard. Yeah. They don't get it. If someone, you know, speaks to them in the, yeah, in yeah, the wrong yeah. voice, it's an issue. How have you navigated having such high standards with you got to hire from the market and the, and the people that are available? To say this bluntly, man, I hire fully fledged adults. Yeah, that's a good yeah. I don't hire kids anymore. So yeah, that's when, it. Let's talk about that, man. I've, um, yeah. I've fully-fledged adults, man. It's as simple as that. Like, like I said before, when we changed our culture, when things had to break and remold, mm -hmm. this was the culture we brought in. I lost half of my staff overnight. Yeah. They, Good call though, right? Resignation, resignation, resignation. These young guns didn't want, or young guns, young people, mm -hmm. didn't, didn't get that sort of culture. They didn't want to be with that. They wanted to be with, oh, let's chit-chat and talk every day and let's hang out and, Fucking go drinks, bro. That's that's not what we're doing. <laughs> Everyone on the team, and this is the thing, right? When you have really clear identity of who you are and what you what you want your company to be, you you basically you attract those type of people. In our ads, we put performance. We're a performance agency. We expect a performance culture. That means you might work up to fifty hours a week. Are you okay with that? It's a tick box on LinkedIn. We literally ask the fucking question in the interview process. And I want people to say no because I don't want to talk to you if that's the case. You know what I mean? It's yeah. hard. It's, 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 uh, it's full on, it's direct, but 
if you don't want that, don't join. Yeah, it's crazy. And the people that join fucking love that, man. That's the thing. They love it. They come on board. They're like, yes, I want to be part of something bigger. People who are on a mission and want to actually do the best in their in their roles. So, How did you navigate that on a personal level of having to deal with, you know, letting people go or dealing with resignations? Was it like, were you just like, I know this is for the best so it didn't phase you or was it a little bit like, fuck, you know, I don't enjoy this, but if I want to get to where I want to be, I have to deal with the consequences. Just a quick one for me. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you'd know that after scaling Happy Skin Code over $10 million per year, I spent close to 18 months creating the Viral Brand Builder Program, which teaches someone with zero experience how to launch and scale their very own e-commerce brand. With over 100 training videos and direct access to me, including one-on-one calls, you'll be guided throughout the entire process. Now, the framework we have developed is unlike anything else, and we already have a bunch of incredible results from students that are making multiple five and six figures per month. So if you're ready to make 2024 your year and build a business that can completely change your life, then click the link in the description and book in an application call. Spots are limited as you'll be speaking directly to me. So make sure you book in before applications close for the month. Now let's get back to the podcast. It's the worst thing ever. I, I hate resignations. I hate dealing with that thing. It's the, the part of the role, which I really don't like, man, because you've got someone else's future on the other end. But I just knew that, Again, that has to happen. It has to happen overnight. It's going to be harsh. It's going to hurt. But it just has to be done because moving on from that point, the expectations are now set because I wasn't setting those expectations before. I was hiring people and then I was expecting them to do what I wanted, which was in my head. How stupid is that? Yes. I had to learn the lesson. So I just said, fuck it. Right from the interview process on LinkedIn, when they're applying for a job, put it there. Straight away, anyone that says, yes, I'm okay with that, I'm okay with the performance culture, great, let's have a chat. What can you offer? This is what we can offer. Now every single person on the team has, has signed up for that and they are on the team because they love that shit. They've been at an agency that signs on 40 clients per person and just delivers shit bottom feeder results. Now they've come to a company that has a high standard and every single person on the team has that winning mentality. That's how it works, man. So. It was fucking painful for six months, but after we got through that, the team was all solid on board. Now it's the that's what's allowed me to move up. And yeah, step up. I've had conversations with 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 you know people that have been in business much longer than us, and and they've both said the same. Th- they've all said the same thing. It's about setting that expectation clearly from the beginning, yeah. because you can't you know have all the and I've I've been guilty of it myself. You have all these plans or expectations in your head of what you expect from someone because that's how you would rock up to a job. But people are very different. And, yeah. you know, I don't like bashing the next generation or, or anything like that, but it is becoming a really clear pattern all the time. I've read an article literally today when I was doing some research for this pod. Um, some, it was just a stupid daily mail article, or whatever, but it's like, yeah. this was a story because it's happening at the time and time again, this trade, this apprenticeship kid first day on the job, made it to lunch, never came back too hard. Don't want to work yeah. that hard. Yeah. Yeah. Mate, it happens and, and you know what? Like you just gotta you just gotta look at who you're bringing on board and have those hard conversations at the start. And really what I what I actually try to do when I'm speaking to someone new, I actually try to downplay it. I don't try to sell defiant to the to the mm. person. I'll tell them what we're about, but I really want them to know that what this what this role is about. And if you come on board and you kill it, you are gonna you're gonna go very, very far. Like all of our team, we do multiple promotions for some people in the space of six months, man. When we, when we find a killer, we keep them around. Um, but yeah, man, fully fledged adults. That is, that is what I look for. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Kids with too many problems and they're still working their lives out. 
we we don't go down that. It's route. unfortunate. <laughs> I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what the answer is. What? How do you? How do you fucking? How do you stop this rot? You know what I mean? It's it's like it's systematic and it's just happening so often. And I'm sure there's I'm sure there's exceptions. To, actually, there's this kid I started mentoring recently, Daniel. He's an absolute weapon. He's built stores in a day and and test products. He's like. He built up the, you know, online like side of his dad's business. There are yeah. hungry kids out there that understand. 100%. Went to uni, he's like, well, I'm absolutely wasting my time here. Quit. He's like, I'm gonna go in. The rock killers out there, and these kids oh. that understand the way the world actually works, and it's not like, okay, there's no like, you're not gonna just go rock up and get paid to do nothing for a long yeah. time. You may kind of blend in at a big corporate company for long enough. Yeah. And I think that's another thing that I learned. Don't hire from big corporate companies yeah. because yeah. there's no accountability. That what they do means nothing, right? So the people that either are in business and starting to hire or the people, you know, people that listen to this podcast, again, not all for business, but it's around that startup culture and yeah. making, you know, making, you know, making shit happen. And whether you're at the stage where you're hiring for that or you're kind of doing your kind of apprenticeship and working for the right type of companies, the right type of leaders. Like you need to be start thinking about this and the, and the world is a very different place. Yeah. But for those people, you know, maybe it's the younger generation listening, maybe whatever. What do you think is a good way? Because clearly like there's a way to motivate everyone. Yeah. It's again, looking harder for these people. But I mentioned before, like you didn't just wake up one day and knew you wanted to start an agency. You know, you had your property development stuff and you went quite deep in that yep. and you were DJing for ages and you, you had a big experience with that. And then you got onto business and it was like the third major thing that you would kind of put your focus in. And I'm talking about years of your life into that. Again, it seems like this is your forever passion now, right? How do people start if they're trying all these things and they're not enjoying them? How do people start figuring out what their, you know, purpose is, passion is, or what, what they can really sink their teeth into in terms of a career? That's a solid question, man. Uh, I think you just got to try. You just got to jump in and just try stuff and see what you want to do. Look, I want to just take it back one step, right? I don't want to be shitting on young people, right? That's absolutely not That's what definitely I not the doing. intention, but yeah. But what I, what I, and what I will say for any of the business owners out there thinking of hiring young people, we did that at the start and it was brilliant. At the start, we had no money. We couldn't pay senior senior uh, wages. Yeah. We couldn't do that. And also the other thing was all of us all of us were kind of junior at the start. So we're all learning Went off each other. Journey. So it was brilliant. What I'm what I'm trying to say with this is that there are different phases of a company that require different types of skill sets. And yes, you are right. There are some absolute killers out there that are young. They were with us as well that stayed with us for a year, learned what they had to learn, and now look at them. They're absolutely slaying it and don't and as well what i uh, don't take this if you're someone that's young you're like who are these you know you yeah. know 30 year old dickheads you know whatever <laughs> i get it i would think the same but like don't think of it as a bad thing think of it as a yeah. massive opportunity for you to stand 100%. out and succeed well look back to your point as well like looking at some of those young people and their journeys they joined on as an intern didn't get paid a cent for three months came on learned everything some of them after that three months went on to become cmos and now you know running brands and scaling through the roof. Others said, hey, this shit isn't for me. And they went down different paths. They did their own businesses. They did all sorts of different things. Some came on, came on and said, this agency shit, yeah, I can do that. Went and started their own agencies and now they're killing it doing that. So I, I would say personally, if you're a young person looking to get started or you know, try something out, don't be afraid to go and work with someone who's doing it at a high level because that's probably one of the quickest ways that you can learn other than just doing it yourself and risking your money, funds, 
time, all of that kind of thing. So it's a, it's a tricky, it's a tricky conversation because I 100% understand both sides of the debate as well. Like if I was, if I kind of knew what I knew now at like say 16, 17 coming out, like I, I wouldn't be, I'd be like, why the fuck would I you know, spend my life doing work that I hate being underappreciated, overworked. So I understand that as well. Like, and I think there's some level of awakening to that, but I just think where it gets tricky um, and where I think on a big macro level in terms of the way the economy is going and businesses and, and the world in general, absolutely. By all means, don't settle for something you don't yeah. love. Find a way to make what you love a success, you know, work, like you said, find someone that you can learn off, do online education, whatever it is to get to the point. But I, I agree. Don't go and trade, you know, your soul, your energy to for, for someone that's not going to appreciate that you hate it. But where I think it becomes negative, if, if too many of the next generation is like, you know what, uh, this work stuff isn't really for me in terms of all work. I'm not going to yeah. find what I'm passionate about, find anything interesting. I'm just going to, you know, wait for my fortnightly, you know, government payments to hit my account. That's where it gets dangerous. So I don't yeah. think, don't settle for shit work. Try things until you find what you love, but don't stop until you find what you love. Look into info products. Let's talk about that now. We right. may as well, it's come up. We'll go, we've Let's got so much it. more stuff to talk about with agency, but why are you so fascinated with info products? Mate, I've been doing the agency game for a while now. Uh, one thing that I absolutely love about it is just seeing different business models, e-commerce, service-based, agency. I've got first-hand experience with that. So many different things that you can do. But one thing that I've realized is that selling information, you're essentially selling thin air. There is no fulfillment. There's no cost of goods sold. If someone's upset, give them a refund. Who gives a shit? <laughs> Right. Um, so I think I'm just fascinated by it from understanding the complexities of business and how complex it is to launch an e-commerce business, to launch an agency, to run a consultancy of some kind or whatever, whatever it is that you're doing. And yeah, I think if you can, if you're someone who understands marketing, look into info, look into selling courses, look into selling digital products, because honestly, man, some of the best results that we've achieved have been in that space. And I, I 100%, I, I agree. I think as well, though, like before you sell an info product, make sure you have value to sell. Oh, 100%. You know what I mean? Too many people want to jump. And not, and look, you know, I I am very well, you know, educated on info products in that business model. And there's a lot of really appealing things. And Like I could have went down the info product route if I, like obviously that like my econ mentorship is a 12 month program now. Not yeah. a lot of people, it's a 12 month program. You get a call with me once a month. There's fortnightly Q&As, all this stuff, right? And, you know, sometimes when I'm, I'm cause I, 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 at the moment I'm chatting to everyone myself because I'm doing it myself and mentoring these people one-on-one. -on -one, I don't, like you said with the team, I don't want to bring people in who don't have the right attitude that don't understand what they're getting into. I have limited time, limited spaces. I want the right fit, but people, you know, ask, you know, and it's a completely fair question. I ask the same thing. What about, you know, this, you know, dropship guru with this course and this course and all that sort of stuff. Like it's, it's a great business model, 100%. And I, I was tempted to go down it, but like, I just feel like everything you got to really like you and, and, and defiant launching these digital products. Great. Yeah. For someone that people can trust, you know, another thing I want to ask you about, for example, we'll get into it after this drop servicing, all these different, okay. you know, leveraging opportunities, I think is like, I think is great. Like I could have went down that route, but I just think, what's the best way to deliver value and like why mm. are you getting into it before a beginner? What's an example of an info product that does, doesn't have yeah. five years running an agency, doesn't have five years running an e-com brand. What's an, what's an example of an info product a beginner could, could package and sell? Great question. Well, 
basically any problem out there is a product, an info product, right? Anything that's a problem, uh, you know, pregnancy, falling pregnant, uh, you know, menopause, having a newborn baby, like whatever, whatever people are facing issues with is essentially a product that you can package up into a set of step-by-step instructions on how to, how to deal with that, right? People love this whole step-by-step, follow this, one, two, three, this is the thing, right? So, and by the way, when I say info product, I'm assuming it's, it's, I'm assuming when you think info product, by the sounds of it, you're thinking like pretty high ticket, right? I'm talking more low ticket. 50, I'm talking $27 yeah, USD, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, and then an upsell 49 and then a, yeah, a big dude, upsell. Get, yeah. So, so it doesn't necessarily have to be something that you know about fully, mm-hmm. right? As long as you do your research and yeah. you package it up and you find all of the information that's out there on the internet and you distill it down into step-by-step guides. So let's, let's pick the baby thing, for example. I'm just talking about this because my sister's got two young babies and I'm seeing the problems that she's having, right? But a problem's like, how do I get my kid to sleep? What do I feed my kid? Uh, you know, what sort of exercises can I do for X, Y, like, there's so many different things that are, are different problems that you face and all of those can be like a 10-step guide. The beauty is, man, you create all of that once and then you sell it a billion times and <laughs> as, if you sell it for 27, as long as you, as long as you generate the sale for 26 bucks, you're good. You're making profit. You're sweet, right? So that's what I love about it. They're, they're the type of info, info products which you'd never even think about that, are making millions and spending up to 250k a day wow. in in some cases mate so yeah Crazy, a lot of think exposure about, to that. You, you think about like okay where's your break even ROAS like 1.01 yeah, obviously not exactly. there's some operational cost but if you look at a product level fuck when you're spending 250k a day 1.01 is perfect <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude look I, th- I thought about this and considered it too maybe I'll do some more info products as yeah. well. Yeah, it's it's a really great business model for sure, for sure, for it sure. Is. And also another thing, I know there's a lot of e-com listeners here, um, add value with info products too. So when, for example, right, you're selling Happy Skinco at the checkout or on the product page, by the way, I haven't looked at your product page, so I don't know if you're already doing this or not, but basically add a guide, add a free guide for free, valued at 27 bucks, $0. We don't have that, but you know what? I'm going to do it right now. Not right now, since we've off. seen I love that idea, we've seen conversion rates increase. We've seen uh, you know AOV increase because they feel like they're getting more value, so they add something else to the cart. Again, that free value, right? Costing you absolutely nothing, and it's a freebie to get people over yes. the line. Just increase that conversion like, rate for an ecom brand like us. Like straight away, yeah. Like we're probably providing most of that in like an email sequence, but why not? You know, add Just the value. Just package it up. Package it up into a guide, man. Ten like steps to get think. the most out of your product, yeah, whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, dude. That's great, man. Yeah. Okay. So just little things like that. Info products, no matter what it is, like selling information is an unlock in marketing, like, and period. As well, like the rise of personal brands becoming so important for whatever industry you're in, but also it's like part of like not everyone wants to start a big e-com brand, not everyone wants to start an agency, but there's people in there that – don't want to work a job they hate. They just want to earn enough money to live a comfortable lifestyle. That way, like with info products in that world of like, you can build that around, like you said, a problem that you've identified that there isn't super a lot of competition in that space or build it around your biggest passion. 100%. Whatever you're passionate about 100%. and you already have the interest in, you will find a tribe of people who want to know what you know about that. And that, then you can educate on them, 
educate them on that. And it's like you said, your, your ROAS needs to be 1.01. Exactly. In theory, no and you're staff in the green. Costs. Again, this is a really good product for someone who knows about marketing, right? Someone who knows marketing, yes, jump into it. Someone who doesn't know marketing, learn marketing first. Do something Health, else first. Health, fitness, yeah. supplements, makeup, fucking whatever yeah, fucking it is you're anything. passionate about and you know about, right? What I mean is, sorry, like if you know how to run ads and you know how to do the marketing, then yes. Oh, that's all the media buy behind exactly. that. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But as well, even still, even if you don't, you can hire an agency and your only staff cost will essentially be an agency everything else you've got it right yeah. you've got you've got covered you're putting in the work you can do the emails easily you can run a community yeah. i mentioned as well just before um and obviously yeah the way i look at it when someone says info product i'm thinking about you know the dropships 997 you know usd yeah, yeah, yeah. and i think there's some of them that are no doubt really good i think in my world of ecom i think those are becoming in a way less effective because people really need their handheld to it. Yep. And like more of, and that's why like, you know, it would have been so much easier for me is like, if I wanted to start a business to just make easy money, I'll film all the videos, do all the training videos, purchase that and step away. Yep. And I considered that because it'll make my life easier. The way I wanted to do it, I'm like, I know I can provide much more value and I'm happy to yep. package it like that. Now I mentioned drop servicing. I don't know if this is a term that you've, you know, heard of in, in your world, essentially like drop shipping, but for like, you know, do you know like white, white labeling? Yeah. White, but like, okay, but for like agency world. So someone builds this, you know, agency website, they have their, they'll go do outreach, they'll do run ads, whatever to, to find clients. Yeah. They'll sign you up. Okay. Yep. I do all these things. What interested in, okay. I want, you know, someone to run face, like your meta ads um, and set up like Google shopping ads for us and stuff. Can you do that? Yes. Yeah, sweet. Yeah. Then they go into Fiverr. Fine. So 100%. it's like that whole, has that impacted your world? And have you signed clients a little bit, you know, off the back of negative experiences where people had absolutely no idea or they were outsourcing it to who knows where to actually deliver, oh, deliver the promise? Look, when we first started, we said yes to absolutely everything. We sat in meetings. Can you do this? Yeah, we can do that. Can you do that? Yep, absolutely. We were everything to everyone at the start and all I did, and I didn't know shit, bro. I yeah, was a DJ. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I came into this and I just came in with the mindset of like, just get the money and then work out how to do the fucking service. Go, I don't even care if I don't make a cent. Like get the money from that person, pay that person, watch them how they do it, learn how they do it, and then start doing it for myself. I don't care if I'm making money. I don't even care if I've got to out of pocket this to pay an expert to do it, right? Never went down the like the Fiverr route for some little things, but anything that was proper, I, I got proper people like. Because when was the transition for you to build out and where was the decision made like to build out everything essentially internally within your team? It was very early. It was about six months in. Yeah. It was about six months in. So, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad I did it that way because like I said, I didn't know what I was doing. So paying that expert to do, to do the work and literally I was like a sponge. It was probably so annoying, man. I still talk to a few of them now, but they still like me. So I wasn't too annoying. So that's, that's good. But, yeah, man, basically everything that they were doing, how'd you do that? Why'd you do that? What are, what are we doing next? How are we doing this? So I was like the account manager in between the client and the per, and the third party. Amazing, amazing way to start. If you're starting 100%. an agency, do it, man. Say yes to everything. Don't say no to shit. I see some some advice from gurus out there saying, oh, you should niche down and you know, only stick to one niche and only do one thing. I, I bought a course that was telling me to do that. I didn't do it. Um, I think there's there's benefits to that. Yeah, obviously you'll move a little bit faster in that particular niche. The shit thing about that is you don't get to learn different things. Like we we started doing creative by saying, yeah, we can do creative. We 
when we had never done it before and seeing the clients that we're doing creative for versus the clients we weren't doing creative for, we're getting killer results with the creative and shit results without the creative. So straight away, that's like, all right, great. We're now a creative performance agency. So if you niche down too hard at the start, I think you're limiting yourself a little bit. Is it going to be harder? 10 times harder. 10 times harder being everything to everyone, but get that experience, find what you're good at, find, find what you enjoy and then start building your team internally. I think I think that's the way to do it. And I think if you are going down that route, I agree the way you explained it makes a lot of sense. But make sure you are that sponge. Make sure you're not just, 100%. okay, yep, you get the brief sent to them and you don't, you need to learn it and, and, and acquire the skills and the knowledge to be able to understand what you're doing and then build that into something real long-term. Now, something yeah. that has changed since we last spoke that's done really, really well, I wanted to ask you about is those cool creative rebranding uh, exercise videos where you'll do like a McDonald's if it was a premium brand. That yeah. video just on Instagram, over 8 million views. There's KFC ones, M&Ms. Yeah. Talk to me about this. Who Like where did this idea come from? Yeah. And then ha has there been much, you know, opportunity or interest come off the back of that? I imagine yeah. so with those sorts of those sorts of views. So with that, man, I was, I was looking at, I was just looking at the agency landscape, looking at our, you know, competitors and what are other agencies putting out there on Instagram. And it's all, you know, shots of the team and, you know, case study, we did this, we did that. And just all about me, me, me. Like what, are, what is our agency doing, right? And I thought, man, I don't really want to talk about that. And second of all, we're a completely remote company or 100% remote. So we don't have in-person interactions as often as these, as these guys do. So I had to think outside the box and I thought, you can either educate people or you can entertain them, right? Um, so, or you can make them, make them laugh, like humor, right? So I thought, let's go down the entertainment route, but let's be a little bit cheeky. Let's take brands that people know, flip them, and just make it fun for people to watch, but at the same time, just flex a little bit. You know what I mean? <laughs> There's just, definitely a flex yeah. in that content. It's pretty high level shit. Just yeah. flex the abilities it. of the team a little bit. And we haven't worked with Maccas or oh, KFC like that, that, but it's not about that. It's other brands see that we're able to flip a household name into a premium brand and they want a premium brand. So then they approach us, we start doing some work for them, start doing some creative and then that leads into longer term things. So that's, that's happening almost every day, man. And in terms of like, cause I want to like, we, we spoke, we spoke a little bit, um, just catching up before we started recording. And I think like why this is such a good episode to have you back on again is like you said, your experience with Define and your agency, you work across econ, but also different verticals within that. But for me in my world and where I think most people listening that are interested in business, um, the two most common, I think, routes that people will think to go down, and they're obviously more than two, but is, okay, I want to start an econ brand. I want to build an agency. Yep. And you've done that in a very successful manner. And obviously I've had heaps of econ founders on and my own story talking about that. So I think yep. people are starting to get a picture of econ, but from that, like building an agency, you talk about, you know, saying yes from the beginning and building out like that and getting experience, you, you're happy to pay experts to learn from them. Yeah. Now, once the business starts to like, you know, normalize and mature, what's the process for you defiant is in, because one of the most important things is, you know, acquiring new clients. Yeah. Obviously retention is going to be important. Like you said, you don't want to be someone that's, you know, dropping out churning clients, you know, all, all the time that churn that, you know, any agency land is going to, should hate, but some I don't think put enough focus on that. What are you doing to acquire new customers? Imagine your organic content strategy yeah. like those are going to be getting heaps of inquiries. And for those who don't really know what we're talking about, have a look at um, Defiance Instagram and you'll see them. They're fucking sick. 
Um, but what else are you doing to acquire new clients? What yeah. does that look like? What's all the different mechanisms you use? Yeah, man, it's it's a combination of all. Obviously, organic is really, really good for that. Uh, but obviously, ads as well. You know, we've got to practice what we preach. So most of the people that come through, they'll see our ads. They'll hop on a call with us and they'll say, your ad caught my attention, so I want you to do the same for my for my business. And we're like, let's chat, right? Doors open and basically the conversation is, hey, we, we are practicing what we preach. Go look at other agencies. This, this is one thing I found amazing, man, when I got into the agency space. Agencies don't know how to fucking run ads for themselves. <laughs> like their ads are dog shit, bro. What are you guys doing? Fuck. Yes. Level it up. But anyway. Um, and that's the thing. You're meant to be selling that. Yeah, so it makes a lot of sense that people come through that channel just so you can see, hey, look, it works. 100%, man. So again, just practicing what we preach in all areas. Like on the organic showcasing that creative, doing shit that makes people smile and laugh and and they and they immediately start thinking, okay, well, this is what these guys do, and they start visualizing, okay, my brand needs that. So we want we want people, we just want to attract people without doing the hard sell. And when we got on, get on the phone with people, man, there's no hard sales tactics. It's consultation from minute one, We're just consulting, right? Telling them what we think we need, telling them what gaps we're seeing. Uh, and basically all decisions when clients come on board are very mutual. It's like a partnership. It's not like client agency. And also another thing is at the start, yes, say, say yes to everything. Bring on any type of client, all of that kind of stuff. But as you progress, you start to put more filters, more and more filters in place because your team's time and energy are paramount to everything. You bring a shit client on board, I can – Honestly, I've seen it drag the entire agency down, right? You bring a sick client on board, the whole morale lifts. Everything everything moves in the right direction. So, again, different phases, different stages. But, uh, yeah, ads, organic uh, events. We're starting to, to do more events now, like sponsored events, yeah. uh, things like that. Um, and, yeah, man, it's a bit of combination of everything. And also just hunting. Yeah, It's like picking out a brand going to them and just consulting straight away in their inbox. Like, hey, I'm on your website. I'm seeing X, Y, Z. I looked at your ads library too. This is what I'm seeing here. This is what we can do for you. Let's hop on a call. Yeah. That's and that's yeah. stuff anyone can do now. In terms of like the really sick pieces that you could, you know, the rebranding videos, maybe yeah. from someone at the beginning, maybe that's not attainable nah. for them to do from the beginning. But still, if you can showcase in some cool It'll make more sense when you've seen the video in some way where you don't have to hide it from the start. And yeah. I think that's really important that I claim to be any sort of, you know, sales guru far from it. Um, yeah. Like if I'm jumping on a call with someone, it's always it's like 80% of them talking and I'm, I'm asking the questions and listening. It's yeah, not yeah. about pitching and selling. Like that's nah. where that's the fastest consult, way to go wrong. Consult, don't sell. Consult, add value. And then yeah. it's up to them. They'll decide if, if they can see it. Great. If not, yeah, yeah. then why waste your time, you know, trying to, and this the whole thing, you know, like you, you finding the right people to work with and, and seeing them as partnerships rather than like a really transactional, yeah, man. you know. One thing yeah. I love doing and, and you know, it's for agency owners out there is run a P&L with your client in one of the first calls that you do with them. Like a potential right? client. Yeah. Run a P&L. So say, hey, this is your, this is your uh, average cost of your product. This is your cogs. This is everything. And this is the target that you need to hit to break even. This is the target that you need to hit to scale. Are we on the same page? Right. And basically that just, no one else does this shit, bro. I know because no I talk to the that. brands and they, everyone, every time I talk to someone, they're like, oh my <laughs> God, like that would be blowing brands. People don't understand the numbers in this world. They don't. I don't know why. I don't know if it's, you know, we don't have to go to uni to start a 
you know, econ brand. So there's maybe a little bit of a, a lack of formal education, but yeah. People don't understand their, their numbers and they also don't understand the like hiring an agency, what that entails. Like an agency isn't just going to come in and solve all your problems and magically, you know, you're just going to be a millionaire overnight. It does, does not work like that. But if you start the relationship off without target setting and expectation setting, as a brand or an agency, you're just destined to, to fail, right? And also another thing is, man, like we've had brands where we've done that calculation and they've something else has happened in their business. They've spent too much money here. They've spent too much money there. And they turn around to us and, and they say, hey, we, we, we have no money, even though the calculations that we agreed upon are, are great. So it's not foolproof, but definitely, again, having those conversations at the start and consulting with people, no matter what industry you're in, if you're just consulting with people, you gain that trust immediately. So these skills of like understanding the numbers and where, you know, where our base level, like break-even ROAS is, where our scale targets are, where we yep. can really push. How do you, and then as well as the actual marketing, you know, really understanding the performance marketing, the creative space, how do you go, go about that skill acquisition as someone who, like you said, you didn't have heaps of experience before you started the agency? Oh man, honestly, just, just, uh, just going through the motions and working with bigger and bigger clients that have these expectations of you. And they say, you know, they tell you, Hey, this is what I need. And then you're like, shit, I don't have that. All right. Let me go figure that out. A lot of, a lot of uh, mentors that have helped um, just a lot of videos, a lot of training. You just got to be in it, man. You just got to be like any, anyone that knows me knows that I'm a hermit crab, right? I'm just always at home working, learning, it's just never fucking ending, man. But you you need to do those little things every single day to just plug different gaps for yourself in your knowledge set and just, yeah, provide more value. People look down on, you know, people becoming obsessed with something, but I think obsession is one of the fastest, you know, routes to success. 100%, man. It's the power of momentum more. and compounding when you're focusing on one thing or one area. It doesn't have to be one specific thing, but one clear area of life or business or whatever. The compounding results are crazy. Can't tell you how many times like that little note that I wrote at 12.39 a.m. led to like a breakthrough mm. in my business or like that moment where I was at home and my mates were away and I did this little task on that day and that unlocked this whole fucking thing, this whole like journey. Like, I can't tell you how many times that's happened. And when that has happened, I always look back and I always, always try to assess like how did I get – when something good happens, I try to work out how did it – how did it happen? And it's always, it's always those moments, man. Those moments where other people just be chilling and you're there fucking grinding and that, you know, breaks through. You get a breakthrough. It's crazy. Yeah. The small fat sacrifices that stack up. And like you said, like that might only happen one out of every 30, 40 times, mm -hmm. but the ones that do can be, you know, life changing, business changing, like can really fucking set you on a new path. And that's the thing. It's that classic, you know, that little meme of like the guy digging for diamonds and like yeah, he gives yeah, up yeah, and he's yeah. like a, an inch away. It's the same thing That's with it. fucking life. Whatever so you want true. to achieve, you just have to keep genuinely, it's a cliche for a reason. You keep chipping away and if you don't give up, you're fucking always one step closer. Yeah. Now, I want to take it back to something you mentioned last time we were on the podcast. You said, you said like, you know, you're, you think deeply and you can't stop thinking. <laughs> what, what are you thinking about? What's on your mind? Fuck, I wish I could, I wish I could uh, tell you that one, man, but it's just everything. Like, all the moving parts, especially when you're a CEO, you've got so many people looking to you for guidance, what next direction. Hey, can we push this forward? Approval on that. Like there's just a million things happening day to day and 
you, your mind just your mind never sort of really shuts off. Like I went on a trip for six weeks with my missus. I think I did a good. I think I did a good job, but still, even still, man, chilling on that beach, like in Mykonos, like sun, like were you were you meant to not work. be working or were you? I didn't work. I didn't work, but still, my mind was racing. Bro. <laughs> like I met I met this guy, you know, started talking about about business in the pool. All of a sudden, we're having business meetings and yeah, shit. Like yeah. I can't stop, bro. You can't switch that shit off, you know. What was it like for you when I did the same <laughs> thing? I was six six weeks in Europe this past year as well, the first two weeks I found it very hard in a way to, you know, my internal speed was still much quicker than my external pace and the paces of where I was. So that, that was an interesting feeling. Then I had about a week and a half in the middle when I was in London, I did a bit of work. So when you're actually working and you're doing the things you feel all right, it was only once I did that. So it was probably three and a half weeks into the six weeks trip. I had done the key, like we did a bunch of podcasts over in London and whatnot. And then it was only then it took my body that much time. And then only I feel like the last two and a half weeks, I fully relaxed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, I get that. It's kind of like the adrenaline come, comes mm. out of you. It takes a while. But bro, like the way I said it is it's hard. It's hard to switch off from something you actually love. Yeah. Like how do you, like why, like why do that? You know what I mean? Why switch your mind off from that? It's a good question. Why like, do you have to, why? Balance. They, they talk what's, about, what's your thoughts yeah, on balance? Work-life balance. Yeah. yeah, I hear this shit all the time. Why, why balance two things that you love? Why can't they just coexist? I see everything I do as business Yeah. nowadays because, like, if I don't rest, then I can't work. So it's like if I don't eat, I can't work. If I don't, you know, sleep, I can't work. Like everything, when yeah. you get to this level, you have to audit every area of your life and you have to yeah. see everything as, like, productive or not productive. What is actually productive? And, like, change your perceptions of what's productive and what not as well. Mm-hmm. And everyone's, you know – tolerance for work and output is different. Like if you're been working 10 hours and you just, you're absolutely like, can't think anymore than fucking take then a break. Take a break. Exactly. Don't it's, let, you know, you know, Hormozzi who, who oh, I love by the way, tell yeah. you, you fucking have to wake up at five and start working from the start. Like find what <laughs> works for you and what makes you happy. And I think everyone's so unique. Yeah. Everyone has such unique, you know, motivations and, and, and goals. And it's about really finding where that all sits with you. Yeah, man. I want to, I want to ask you something as well. This came up in, in the Q and A episode I did. Two weeks ago, um, it was a question, and I've, I asked the last guest this too. I'm, it's really, 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 really good question. I want to know for you, what's one thing, or what's the biggest thing over the past, say, two years that you've you've changed your mind on? Whew. Fuck, too many things, man. The uh, biggest the one biggest, in terms of most pivotal thing. way you do business, the way you see the world, the world around you, anything. Man, you put me on the spot with that. Probably the biggest thing is just realizing that you don't have to do everything yourself and that you you can trust people when you when you've done the right process to get the right people in, you can actually trust them and let just let them run with it. That's been the biggest thing for me. And again, as a I'm sure a lot of business owners listening to this started a business, they're wearing every single hat, and some of them probably still are. Uh, trying to do everything, trying to juggle everything, and you have this thing about like, just don't trust the person to do it, or like, uh, it's I do it better when I do it. It's it's quicker for me to just do it. Man, that is a hamster wheel and a half, and I was on for a very long time. So I would say, yeah, just just first and foremost, like we said at the start, identifying the right people, getting the right people in, and just being okay with things not being done as good as you would do them for a little while. Just coaching those people ongoing, have the patience when they're the right people, have the patience with them. And that 
has probably been the biggest thing that I've changed my mind on. Because at one point, honestly, man, I was considering like, let me just run this agency myself. Let me just be the guy, tiny team, super profitable, but just I'll run it. It's interesting. I've That's, had like these <laughs> days where I have thoughts like that as well, but it's yeah. not. How do you, yeah, when you're bouncing back and forth, and this is like, this is part of the reason I want like, and not every episode's like this, but like yeah. people, you know, that are in business realize it's it can be a real head you know, fuck, for lack yeah, of a better word. Like it's like you have all these – how do you navigate those? How did you come out with clarity that, hey, were you just being like – were you being – I don't know, sometimes I get those thoughts and I just feel like, dude, you're being a, you're being a sook. It was what I was saying before. Like I actually, I actually sat down myself and I just looked at what I was tolerating. I can't stress that enough, man. Like what are you actually tolerating in your business, you know? And I looked, I looked around it. I looked around and I and I, I saw. I'm like, no, this is not the level that I want this to be at. That's not the level I want to be that that to be at. So just setting those really high standards, man, and and just raising the bar. And then whoever rises to it, come, let's go. I've I've got you. I'll nurture you. I'll put the time into you. I'll, you know, I will help you succeed because I I want you to succeed. You want to succeed. Let's go. Right. For the people who when when I raise the bar, the people who there was backlash, just quickly remove, quickly remove those people and just keep moving forward. And um, yeah, man, I think that's just the, the easiest way to look at it. Or well, that was, it was the hardest thing, but also the easiest overnight switch as well. Right? When you're ready yeah. to absorb, you know, a new lesson, it'll, it'll click. Yeah, that's and right. Sometimes you can't force it. That's uh, the frustrating thing. It. Or you could, you know, go have a conversation with someone and tell them that and they will be like, no way. There's got to be some pain, I think. There's got to, there has to be pain. Like without pain, there's no action. Right? Yeah. But like the, yeah, the, the pain of something like the uncomfortable feeling is often what it takes for someone to take action on it. Yeah. yeah. The trick is I find doing it before it gets to that point and, and, <laughs> and, and seeing the problems coming in the areas of opportunity before it leads to the pain. I think that's a skill that takes many, many, many years in business to, to, to fully develop. Now, let me ask you this. You mentioned like you're quite an all in or nothing kind of guy, pretty extreme when you're in something you're in now. There's been a lot of, you know, weird and, you know, potentially, I don't know, derailing or scary events happening around the world. Like has it been hard for you at all to to ignore some of that macroeconomic or political, you know, geopolitical things going on right now or Look, is it not man, something obviously you think about? It's- something I try not to to look at too much because I can't control it. Yeah. So what what's the point? What's the point in me putting energy into something that I have zero control over? Uh all I know and the way I sort of run my life, man, is just whoever's in my circle and whoever I come across, try to be the best person I possibly can. That's what I can control. I can't control what what's going on in the world, yeah, man. Yeah, so yeah. look, I have 100% empathy for, for all the stuff that's happening around the world. And, um, yeah, man, I just, I, I would pray. I pray that it, it gets better and that there's solutions to it. But aside from that, man, I feel a little bit helpless to be honest with you. So I just try to pull my yeah. head down and focus on the, on the stuff that I can control. I know it gets to me at times as well, because it's like, you feel like I, my answer was the same thing you said from the start, focus on what you control. The world yeah. around you is what you really can impact. And it's like, you may have, you know, views on certain things that are happening and it's like to really make a difference. I feel like I would have to, you'd like, okay, you either, do you want to dedicate your life to that? Yeah. yeah. If not, then you have, you, you have to move on and, 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 you know, 
insulate yourself from from that stuff to really get where you want to be in life. Because again, most of the time, like anyone, like you blow things out of proportion, things seem so much worse when you're thinking about it in your head. Focus yeah. on what you can control, set a plan around you and your life and your bubble. Yeah. And I think that's the best way. But it's just crazy. I really wanted to, to get your thoughts on that. Now, in terms of back on the business, mm-hmm. we were chatting 18 months ago. You guys were pretty early on the AI and AR stuff. Now that's become just in 18 months so yeah, much yeah. more widely adopted. Talk to me about how that has, you know, developed in, in, in your world and with Defiant since then. 100% man. Again, that was that was a big change. That was, I think, something that a lot of businesses looked at and they were like a bit scared or even employees actually. I remember when ChatGPT started coming out and all these AI tools and I was introducing them, I was introducing the team to them and I was seeing a bit of like, shit, is this going to take my job? I'm scared of this, like, you know, and people were like a bit slow to adopt it and stuff. But I think what everyone has realized now is chat GPT or AI is just like Photoshop. It's just like another tool that people use to get better at what they're doing. So good people using it will get better at whatever it is that they do, right? Um, so, yeah, we've we've brought a lot of AI into the agency, but it's never just AI. It's AI to to do the grunt work and human intervention to make it to make it special, right? And then what was interesting, I thought creatives would be, you know, the last thing AI would – you know, disrupt, but it's, it's become one of the first, but it's also, like you said, and this is the important part, it actually empowers creatives to be so yeah. much better and get so much more done. So utilizing that, what do you think is the most impactful way AI uh, has affected the way you do business? Yeah, man, it's, it's made our, our team faster at doing bulky tasks, which allows them to spend more time on making it special. And to, to be totally honest with you, man, it's like a collaborator. Mm. I'll, I'll be honest. Like, put in the information, you put in the inputs and it sometimes comes up with things that you're not even thinking. So again, putting that tool in the hands of really talented people, I've just seen those people get like 10 times better at what they're doing. Speaking of info products, like is there any courses that you've done? Like if someone doesn't really know how to utilize AI in the best way, Mm -hmm. is this something you're going to release? Is there ones that you've done? Like how to actually, you know, where can people start this educational process on utilizing? Because like you said, knowing what prompts to give it, what to ask it, what it's good for, what it's yeah. not. Again, like it's so trial and error for a lot of people, but I'm sure by now it's catching up and there are places people can go, resources they can use to educate themselves. There's so much, man. Like, honestly, I wouldn't pay for a course on AI, to be honest, at this point, just because there's so many people talking about it for free. But again, there, there are going to be people out there that provide a step-by-step instruction manual on how to integrate it into the specific way and people are going to buy that course and and buy the course go for it like learn speed up your speed up your learning but honestly the way the way our teams learned it is just purely through trial and error well as well like on that free resources thing like if you search you know ai or you know chat gpt or all these prompts on x or you know twitter whatever you want to call it you're going to find so much stuff for free so, so much, much stuff, stuff for free but with that it's such a tool that Basically, anyone can hop on and just start doing shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's funny. When it first came out, I just remember being at, like, dinners and shit like that and, like, showing my mum for the first time and just, like, yeah, she's older and she's not really into t- into technology and she's just, like, what? Like, you know, just mind-blowing. So yeah. I think just jumping on it and actually having fun with it and, um, yeah, just just playing with it, man. You're going to learn so many things. Um. I want to start to wrap this up before we let you go. I want to ask mm-hmm. some kind of more like marketing sort of focused questions because again, Definitely. marketing and running ads is going to be so important regardless of, of what sort of business that 
um, you're launching. Now, one thing I, I want to ask, because again, you've kind of mentioned your process as well and in, in, in consulting to these new clients or potential clients. I want to know for, for those that are running ads, when you take on a new client and you're doing like an audit of their account and what they've been doing, what sort of metrics are you looking for? What are the key things that you're looking at? So people listening that may be running ads now can know what to look out for that they may be doing wrong. Great question. So one of the first things that we like to look at is how reliant are you on paid ads? So we love working with brands who are running paid ads, but also have really good email revenue. They're doing well on organic. They're doing some SEO. They're not, their business isn't all in on the ads platform because costs rise, costs fluctuate all throughout the year with ads. And if you're solely relying on that, there's going to be really expensive moments for you throughout the year. Uh, so that's one of the first things that we like to look at. We also like to look at profitability. Like what are your, what's your gross, gross profit? If it's sort of like 30% and below, it's going to be tricky for you. If you've only got, if you've only got like 30% of margin to pay an agency, generate a sale, you know, and pay for everything else in your business, you're, you're working with really slim, slim margins. What's like a healthy gross, gross profit ratio when you're looking at taking on a new client? Where do you like it to sit? 50% and above is, is kind of what we like to see it at for, for a, a smaller business. Look, there are some massive monster businesses that have lower margins, but they've got the volume, they've got the market share, perfectly fine. For a, for a business that's looking to start working with an agency, it's got to be 50% plus to even think about bringing on an agency, I, I feel. Because then you've got to know, like, you've got to at least hit a two row ass to even think about breaking even, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and when you're just starting out, People may hit, see like a two rows and think, oh, fuck, that's some businesses. It can it can take a little bit of trial and error even to yeah. get to that point. So I think margins are so important. Margins are so important with with what I do as well. So that's that's um, that's something that you know again coming down to understanding your numbers as well is is something really underrated in 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 the world of like marketing and people think why do I need to understand the finances? I'm a marketer. Yeah. Like no. One one other thing too is uh, replenishable products. We love working with these right products that literally run out. Uh, because, you know, subscription, you can have subscription revenue. So what, what that allows you to do is go really, really hard on the front end, spend all your money acquiring new customers and then bring them back with email, bring them back with just their product running out if you've got a good product. So, yeah, replenishable products, I really highly suggest any e-com business to look into something that is replenishable. Otherwise, you're going to sort of be trapped in this constant new production of products, new product ranges all the time. like. And that, I know that's expensive. You probably, I know, you probably wait, know, I know, I know too far much too much about, about that. that. Yes, uh, yeah. I definitely. Again, I think one of the, one of the, you know, ideals is if you can have a product with the high initial you know, AOV for that first sale with re yep. like some replenishment. replenishment that's attached to it. I think that's probably the ideal sweet spot because with, you know, consumables, sometimes they are great and long-term they're a really, really, really great business model. If we're talking about exits as well, you're going to get yeah. a really great multiple. But that being said, obviously you're playing the LTV game. So a lot of the yeah. time you're lucky to break even on the first sale, depending on the business and the product. And it's all about, you know, I've seen many businesses that have ended up being very successful um, with quite experienced entrepreneurs, you know, taking six months to get profitable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so many people, if they're a beginner, are going to give up in that time. So yeah. just making sure if you go into that, Underworld, you're set up with the expectations that you're not looking to make heaps of profit month one. Yeah. It's going to come three, six months down the line. Now, in terms of that over-reliance on Facebook, people, you know, three, four years ago prior to, you know, all the privacy updates and and all those, everything like that, people, it was a lot more common to be, have a, you know, run a bit brand and like 
95% of sales coming through Facebook. It's yeah. less common now because I think the volatility has kind of affected people. Yeah. But if you're launching a business yourself, at what point, say a product, any product-based e-com business, do you think, you know, ads from day one is right? Do you build a bit of a brand and, and sales in organic? I've got my thoughts, but I'd love to hear, hear yours. Oh, man. If you, can do, if you can start off with organic and get that firing without any ads, then that's brilliant, right? That's really, really hard to do. But if, if you can do that approach, then absolutely do that because that's going to allow you and give you that room to figure out your product market fit, figure things out uh, without having to pay, pay to figure it lessons, out. Pay for lessons, right? Yeah. Right? Look. The bottom line is this, one thing that you are guaranteed when it comes to spending on Facebook, Google, TikTok is that you are going to get reach. You're guaranteed of that. That's the only guarantee that comes with paid media. So in that sense, that's also great doing from day one as well. But what you're not guaranteed is that someone's going to stop in the scroll, click, go and purchase. That's where the breakdown is. So in my opinion, man, depend. Like every single business is different. Try do, try do both. So I do everything well from day one, but if you can, crack organic as soon as you can because that's going to be, it's going to give you that fuel to spend and get more reach and reach new people and do that. A hundred percent. I think for beginners, organic has to be a massive pillar now unless, yeah. look, that being said, someone who's relatively new in e-com that I'm mentoring is doing like, fuck, like spending profitably 15 grand a day off one product just running ads. So it's like, there's still potential out there, but I don't know how many products he tested to find that winning yeah, product. So yeah. I think if you don't have, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars in the like say five grand that you can happy to learn mm -hmm. you use that as like your marketing budget and and get the lessons unless you have like experience with media buying e-com or something behind you i think because i see too many people they'll start running ads that won't be profitable like i wasted two grand over the first month yeah, and yeah. now I'm, i don't want to give up on it i give up on it so if you have a limited budget like the power of tiktok and instagram reels is crazy if you can build up like you is another example so many yeah, brands that yeah. have done that now build up a level of you know you know, recognition in the market, yeah. even build up Agreed. some organic sales, because then what you're going to do is you start seeing some videos will pop off. Some will go more viral than others. You got start to see, okay, what messaging are people really yeah. relating to? Correct. And then you can use that to feed your ads and you'll be in a much better position to succeed with them. I think you still can from the start again, but it's a very trial and error period at the beginning. So you need Great to point. have some you know, resources to be able to potentially, you know, some people profitable from day one, may take you a month or two to get to that point for some businesses. So I think that's important. The um, other thing is what, just yeah. quickly on that, what you said is really important, right? So taking that approach, especially if you, your funds are, are low at the start, take that approach, just use your phone, create. It doesn't have to be high quality, nothing like that. Like you were saying before, document things, right? Start putting out your content and look at what really pops off. And then if it pops off on organic, it's going to work in your ads nine times out of 10. So that just helps you kind of do all that split testing thing before you spend a cent on ads. So 100%. yeah, it's really good. Like take your organics, launch them into ads. One of the first thing we do with brands when we bring them on board, we ordered all of their organics. What were the top performing organic posts? Just take those, put them in an ad because just amplify it. People yeah. love it already. Just amplify it, get it to the masses. Now, one thing as well, I've, I've had a lot of different business, business owners um, on the podcast and, you know, some people will say when it comes to writing ads, it's everything has to be video. And then some people will run only exclusively static and they, and they kill it. And then, you know, you, you hear the whole, you know, UGC is the most powerful thing. Now when we look at your content. It, again, I don't know everything you guys do for your clients, but the stuff that's, you know, on that display shelf, when I go look at the fine, it's kind of a bit more of the premium high end yeah. sort of stuff. Um, 
versus like the really raw feel on someone's iPhone, UGC. Yeah. What do you think of the roles are for the two different types of contents? And is there different businesses or, or niches that you recommend one over the other? Man, we do. So if you look on our website, we've got all of our polished stuff and then we've got a category called ugly ads, <laughs> right? This is literally like, that's your product there. Post a note next to it with a hook on it. Yeah. Right. Um, the simple answer to your question is basically everything. Like, having a whole range of different creatives in your funnel is what you actually need or is what we see works best, right? Because the the little post-it note thing next to the product is weird, wacky, draws that person in. It's got their exact problem on that post-it note, draws them into your brand. They click on your website. They go have a look. They go back to Meta the next day. They see a really polished, beautiful, professional thing. That just psych- psychologically puts that little trust element. Okay, this brand's actually serious. They say UJC of the person giving a testimonial the next day, you know, so the different types of content pillars all sort of work hand in hand to create that story for, for brands. And if you look at the biggest brands, again, some of the brands we, we look at uh, that are spending 250, 200K a day, they have a wide variety. Like everything is in there, carousels, GIFs, statics, videos, absolutely. Everything. And the thing is you need a test to find out what's going to perform you and what's not and you know some some businesses may have one or two types of content that you know take 90 percent of the budget but you still need at least you know to allocate a percentage of that to test to find new winners or it's going to come a day with that you know one ad that you can take to the bank all day doesn't work anymore and then what are you going to do if you if you're too over-reliant on that one thing um last question before before we send you on your way in terms of the marketing stuff now seo you mentioned seo is kind of like you know in terms of the e-com world it's like this forgotten yeah. Thing that most people don't want to spend too much time in. I think obviously ChatGPT and AI is a great tool for that. Can do a lot of the, the heavy lifting for you. But what do you think in terms of when is that and when should businesses like you know what it's like to start a business and you're doing everything from the start. Yep. Obviously, if you're starting any sort of product based business, you need to be you know your organic and your paid media is where your focus really should be. That's where you're going to get the most bang for your buck. No one's going to start a business. I'm just going to do SEO from day one, and yeah. you know it's going to next week. I'm going to be killing it. At what point do you find with the clients you're working with or even just conversations that you have with them about their journey, where does SEO become really important, do you think, for a brand? Yeah, look, when you've cracked your your paid and organic channels, then obviously you've got the profit to actually invest into that. But to be honest with you, the best time to start SEO was two years ago. And the, next, <laughs> the next best time is today, right? <laughs> it's it's like it's it's that classic thing of like the sooner you start with it, the better because it is it's a long thing, it's a long game, right? Paid media is a short game. You spend money, you're you're in front of people. SEO takes time. There's also competition. It's not only time; it's you're spending the time, but so are your competitors. So it's it's a it's a long game. But I like to look at SEO as like real estate. So when you you, you never own you never own those positions, but if you're really strong and you're you're dominating those positions, you kind of like you've got real estate in the middle of the city with foot traffic all day. You've got that foot exposure. If you're on page three, page two even, page three, four, you're in the back alley somewhere with no exposure, you know, out in the West. Do you think it's easier to rank now with the help of, you know, AI or was it easier, say, four years ago before ChatGPT was around? Uh, I think it was easier four years ago, man. Is it less competition or what do you put it down to? Less competition, yeah. Less AI, making really good content. Um, Yeah, it was was definitely – it's – SEO gets harder and harder. Same as paid media, man. Paid media, if if you remember when you started, you could slap up basically anything, run some ads, and you get a (laughs) 10 ROAS, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's it's getting harder and harder and – 
it's really separating the people that know their shit from the people who are who are just fake. And in my opinion, man, I think that's a good thing. No, yeah, hundred percent. Now, talk to me. Um, what's your what's your goals? What's next? What are you looking at in terms of twenty twenty four? What does that look like for you and Defiant? Yeah, man, twenty twenty four is a big year for us. Uh, like I said, you know, really stepped into that real CEO position this year. So I've got all my leadership team in place, still building that team out and really, really growing that. Uh, got some really big clients that we're, we're working with now as well. So, yeah, really just continuing to grow the team on Defiant, work with great brands, work with good people, uh, and also launching info products, man. These will be completely unknown. No one's going to know about it. It's going to be undercover. When do you think it's going to – oh, so it's not it's, even going to be – It's undercover, man. It's, wow. it's, it's, for the, it's, for the, it's for products that you would not even think yeah. there should be a product for. But, um, Interesting. yeah, man, that's, that's, a, that's a little side hustle. And, again, just taking everything that I've learned about marketing and just doing it with no no face of the brand, no exposure, no staff, nothing like that, just running ads for a very specific problem. That's sick, dude. You'll have to, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll fill you, you in. Fill I'll me fill in. in. Fill me in. Fill um, in. And for people wanting to, to learn more about what you do, yourself, your journey, Defiant, yep. kind of the work you've done, where's the best place they can find you? Yeah, man, just our website, defiantdigital.com.au. Uh, our Instagram is at defiantHQ. Check it out. Have a look and, yeah, basically see what we're up to, man. Like I said before, we're, we're flexing a little bit on there. But, um, yeah, any yeah. brands that need that sort of next level creative with a performance approach, that's that's who we're for, man. Love it. Anyway, bro, part two in the books. Legend. Thank you so much for giving us another hour and a bit of your time. Thanks Appreciate you, bro. Man. Thanks, man. Legend. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode or you got something out of it, do yourself a favor, do me a favor, do your friends a favor and share this with them and they can come along on this journey with us. Thanks again and I'll see you next time.